Good morning and welcome back to a brand new episode of Motherhood on Mondays with me, your host, Jessica Olsom. Welcome back, guys, to part two of our homemaking series. In this series, we've been talking about homemaking and what that means and why you can be very many different types of personalities and still consider yourself a homemaker. So if you missed the first part of our series, last week I talked about being a homemaker in the sense of being in your home. I shared with you guys kind of my story and how I really started out on ground zero for being a homemaker. I had no experience. I didn't have any examples growing up that showed me the value in homemaking and how through the Bible, God really showed me a value in keeping my home. But there's a lot more to homemaking than just the home. And so this week, I wanted to talk about the heart of cooking and the importance and finding the value in um, growing your skill through the skill of cooking. And so I really wanted to just share where my experience in cooking started and where my mind was and how God has grown me over the years to love cooking and love the ministry that it can provide for people and to just also see as it see it as something that's worth my time in perfecting and getting better at. So let's jump into it. Well, good morning, guys. I am so excited for today's podcast, and I'm also really excited because I have shared over the last three kind of weeks how I've been on some medication for my vocal cords and I'm finally all done with my medication. I am feeling a lot better and I'm really hoping this sticks and that it's all dealt with. If you didn't know, I've been dealing with just losing my voice constantly over the last year and so they thought it was strep and it wasn't strep and so they put me on, they basically treated it like strep, so like a bacterial infection so i'm so excited to have my voice this week because a couple weeks ago my podcast my voice sounded completely different but anyways back to brass tacks and doorknobs cooking food i know that this probably seems like a a really simple topic to maybe talk about and like maybe there's not a lot to go into it but i feel like there are you know so many different personalities when it comes to women and our perspectives on cooking i didn't grow up with really home cooked meals in my home it was oftentimes like large tv meals and part of that was because we were poor and so my mom would always go to the grocery outlet and for my mom's credit i want to be clear as i talk you know about my mom and my family and my background that my parents are not obviously perfect but they did the best that they could with what they knew and now by the grace of god i am in a different situation and i get to provide different foods for my kids but growing up home cooked meals was not something i saw so my cooking skills were pretty much null when i got married i like cooked for myself i had like basic cooking skills when i moved out i could make like spaghetti and I, it didn't stop me from trying to cook, but my cooking skills were pretty uh, pretty slim. So, <clears throat> growing up, let's go back to the very beginning. Growing up, cooking is not really something I saw done from scratch, nor was it something that was ever really 
like an exciting thing cooking food cooking meals weren't exciting we had to fend for ourselves a lot of the time because my mom was often nursing or dealing with a different baby so for us like we often had to kind of scrounge around for food you know i think food security and kids having access to food that is healthy or even just having access to food is such an important thing because i did not grow up with food security or like uh, set meal times although my parents tried and you know with nine kids in the family that was just hard for them to do like a set meal time and so growing up i didn't really have food security of really knowing like if we were going to have food my parents went to the food bank every week and you would just kind of have to eat whatever the food bank had and then um we also were on state aid a lot of the time but a lot of the times that was still just spent on you know just you know surviving basically and so a lot of the food that i grew up with was me having to scrounge for food or you know i was hungry so i'd need to figure out what i wanted to make myself so i didn't really have someone that was like let me make you breakfast let me make you lunch let me make you dinner although it happened at times it wasn't like a set in stone consistent thing so growing up my relationship with food wasn't that great and i'm going to be talking about some kind of triggering subjects so if you struggle with ed so eating disorders i will be talking about that so when i was really young i struggled with uh controlled eating and basically it started out as i was a really angry child And so I couldn't control all the chaos that was happening in my life. But the one thing I could control was the food I ate. So I just want to eat food. I basically would go on like food strikes. And that late at night, I'd like sneak out and like eat a piece of bread. But basically, I was very, very skinny. And my mom would take me to doctors and kind of, you know, yell at me. You're going to starve to death. Like you need to eat. And so growing up, my relationship with food just wasn't great. It wasn't a great thing for me and often we would just go long periods of time not eating so i really didn't have like a healthy pattern established of having healthy meal time set or having like a food clock that would remind me when i was hungry just because i would go for so long so my body wouldn't give me those cues of like this is a time to eat and so it really didn't lead to the healthiest relationship with food although i loved food It just wasn't a healthy thing growing up for me. I also didn't really have food food prep skills taught to me. So like chopping vegetables or, you know, how to, you know, the different scientific parts of baking wasn't ever really explained. And like we would make things occasionally together, but it wasn't food and cooking and teaching how to cook. Those were not things that were purposely or intentionally taught to me growing up. So growing up, I didn't have the best perspective on cooking and food, but I knew it was like expected that like, you know, if I got married, I would be the one to cook the food. So I moved out and I had very basic cooking skills. Well, I guess not even really basic, but it's like I knew how to figure things out. I knew how to follow a recipe. So I'd be like bagels, like obviously very basic things. I can make myself toast, bagels. I know how to make spaghetti. I know how to make mac and cheese. I know how to cook food from a can, you know, but 
I didn't know how to dice an onion. I didn't know how to like cut different vegetables or what like julianning a carrot would be. Just like all those things about cooking, I just didn't know. So when me and my husband got married, I of course wanted to like make the food and make the meals. But I didn't necessarily see cooking as like, oh, I love this. It was more so just like, this is what I do because I'm the wife and I'm supposed to do it. So here I am in the beginning of my marriage, not really thinking much about food, but like wanting to do those things. And... I definitely fell into a pattern in the first couple years of my marriage of where I love to like post photos of my food but like looking back on those pictures from 11 years ago the food plating was not great and my food cooking level was basic I didn't know how to like cook meat or like how that looked like on like the stove so a lot of my meat would be super overcooked because I was terrified of like getting food poisoning and so I look back at my meals and the, the things I used to make and it was it was rough and I mean my husband always ate what I made and he never complained but I definitely didn't think of it as like this opportunity to be something more than nourishment for like our bodies so fast forward a couple of years and we had our first son Charles and now I am a mom and suddenly food becomes a little bit more important to me suddenly I you know I have this importance in my mind of you know I want to provide for my son I want to make sure he's getting meals I want to make sure they're solid meals and you know I want to make sure I'm being healthy and so suddenly food shifted from just being like you know this thing that I'm doing for me and my husband as like okay like I want to set my son's body up for success and so I started caring a little bit more about cooking but at the same time I was also struggling a little bit more because I was tired I wasn't sleeping through the night and I started to like get this bitterness towards my husband because I'm like you know you get to work and now I have to like make dinner for you and so I kind of got like this bitterness almost in my heart about like it being like this burden of like well I have to cook and you know why can't you cook like why does it have to be me and so I was trying really hard to cook better for my son Charles but at the same time having kind of an attitude um with um my husband and so that was not good and so I finally got to this place of where you know we were talking about what what did we want for our family and what did we want meals to look like and you know I dived into a lot of studying and I found and you know there's so much research out there on this and something that Thomas and I realized that is kind of like this dying culture in America is that the dining room of homes are often neglected and a lot of you know there used to be formal dining rooms in houses and now it's almost like dining rooms are like the first thing to go out of a house you know like we have kitchens and you know we have our living rooms but it's almost like dining rooms have slowly gotten neglected or cut out because 
Americans are going further and further away from the nuclear family model and everyone is constantly busy on on the go 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 and we started realizing that like meals are something that's kind of neglected and so I did a bunch of research I wanted to do all this research on the importance of family meals and the importance of sitting at the table as a family as a group and the research is there to back this up that families who eat meals together have stronger bonds and unfortunately you know I was doing research on this again as I wanted to do this podcast and the statistics are really really sad it's only about 30% of families sit down and have structured meals together but the science that goes into showing what having structured family meals at the dining room table does for a family is astounding. Not only does eating at the table together as a family improve mental health, it also helps with, you know, your kids view and relationship with food. It helps manage things like depression and mental illness. You know, it helps build a strong family bond when you're sitting down and you're talking together and connecting. And yet, so many American families are walking away from eating meals at the table. And so, me and my husband decided that for us and our family, that meal times and sitting at the table is a core, like, pillar of our family. And this goes into cooking because obviously if you're going to be eating meals at the table, what do you want those meals to look like? And obviously I wanted to do better than what my mom had done. And obviously my mom was doing the best that she knew in that moment, but God had given me these hands, God had given me my brain, and I knew that God, I want to obey this call to be the woman that built her house up well and you know I think of Proverbs 20 uh not 21 Proverbs 31 and the description of a godly woman and how you know she gets up and she like makes the bread and does these things and I wanted to be that woman and so I went to God and said God I am not a good cook my attitude around cooking is not great to me it has been a burden i don't like it i'm tired i don't like to really like cook full meals really my meals were like a meat and like a salad like there was no sides there was no extra nutrition to them and i said god i am not the best cook but lord i am submitting my life in this area please meet me and meet this desire of my heart to become a better cook And when I said that prayer and had this desire in my heart to provide, you know, this stability in eating meals at the table of realizing like this is a part of building my home and building my family's connection and our roots. And I started to ask God to change my perspective about what cooking was, what cooking does for us and my attitude when it comes to cooking food. So God gave me this opportunity in a really unique way. And the way it presented for ourselves was in a flood. 
And I know you're probably like, Jessica, how does a flood present you the opportunity to have a changed heart with cooking? Well, a couple years ago, um, there was a really horrible flood in the area I live in. It was like a statewide, it was declared like a state disaster. Um, Where I live is really close to some rivers in Washington state that don't get maintained. Because if you know anything about Washington, you know that it's a huge environmentalist state. And so oftentimes that means animals take a priority and the wildlife takes a priority over humans. And it's really sad. So the river hadn't been maintained and my in-laws had bought a home that had never flooded. Well, they had said, you know, flooding's gonna happen. And we didn't think my in-laws house was gonna flood. Well, my husband went over to, you know, check on his parents and they only lived two streets over from us. But my in-laws house ended up flooding. They ended up having four or five inches of water in their home and probably a couple of feet in their garage. And my husband had to evacuate his mom because his dad was out of state visiting um, his daughter. And he had to evacuate his mom to come to our house, which our street was the only street that didn't flood. We're in a really, our old house was in a unique place. We had maybe some, like a pond of water in our driveway, but our home did not flood. And my in-laws house flooded and they were displaced in their home. And so what ended up happening was God presented me this opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ. And we started inviting my in-laws over to our home for dinner. And I don't know why this struck making meals different for me, but I was like, okay, Jessica, your salad and meat is not cutting it anymore. And obviously, like my in-laws would have been, been happy with any food, but I was like, you know, I want to bless them. They've just been through such a horrible thing. Like I want to bless them with like a wonderful meal. And so I started digging into cooking. I started digging into different recipes that were outside of my normal comfort zone and pushing myself to learn new cooking skills. And I really did feel like Ruth in this setting of, um, not Ruth, um, maybe I'm thinking of like Naomi and Ruth, of like serving my in-laws in this way of where they had just lost their home and they were displaced from their home for over like a year and I remember just being like God this is such a great opportunity to serve them and I don't know why it took my in-laws coming into my home to change my perspective on cooking but they would come over and I started learning what a full meal looked like you know more than just a bag salad you know so I was making, you know, a different vegetable, a couple different vegetable sides and, you know, doing a fruit and doing like a full meal instead of just like, you know, a chicken breast and a salad, which I know a lot of people would argue that's a meal. But I started cooking these big, whole hearty dinner meals and having my in-laws come into our home and us all sitting down as like a big family with like my in-laws, you know, grandma and grandpa. It was such a blessing to me. Not only was I getting to bless them in this really hard time they were going through, but God started developing my love of cooking as a source of being a blessing and being a ministry opportunity. 
And you know, so often I just thought about cooking as this like nourishment just for our bodies, but it became more than that for me. It was like these people, my in-laws are getting to come in and lay down their burdens and you can do that with food. And it might seem like the simplest revelation to many of you, but for me, that was something that I was never shown growing up. It was never a ministry. It was never something that could be joyful. And so God showed me that this is such an amazing way to love people more than just like the bare minimum of like, here you go. I cooked you something that'll sustain you. It was bringing joy to people's spirits. It was bringing life to them and it was showing them Christ and Christ's goodness to them through me cooking. And it just really brought back the importance of doing things for Christ well and making me realize that my perspective of food and doing cooking for God's glory, how I had not thought about that as an area that I could submit to Christ and glory, but how I could change my perspective and, you know, thrive in my cooking abilities. And that could be a way to bring God glory. So it might seem like the simplest switch, but for me, it really became about food is a ministry opportunity and it is a chance and an opportunity to show the glory of God to people that might not get to see that outside of our homes and outside of our kitchens. You know, it used to be this thing of where it was like a burden or an annoyance or okay, like I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm just going to buy what's ever there so that I don't have to cook a meal to now being like, I get to put thought and purpose into cooking this meal and I get to be a blessing and I get to use cooking food and developing my skill of cooking to be a mission field. And so often we think that we don't have a mission field as moms or as women's or like, or like I'm just a stay at home mom, but even something as seemingly small as cooking can be a mission field. And so now God has planted this seed in my heart for loving to But before you go, I just want to share with you guys just a couple of other little mentionables when it comes to cooking and food. And one of those examples that really actually sticks out to me actually comes from King David and a girl named Abigail. If you don't know this story from the Bible, let me tell you about it. This is found in 1 Samuel And it is a story about David. And David actually comes up to this guy named Nabal. And and he actually is asking him for help. And they have like an interaction together. And the guy actually denies help to, uh, to David. And this is like the time of where like David and, uh, King, King Saul are actually, they are actually like running from each other. So it's during that time where David is like hiding in fields. He's like trying to escape being killed. And so he asks for help and he's denied help. Well, that made him really angry. Well, this wise woman, Abigail, realizes what her husband has done. 
and she immediately prepares food. She gets all this food ready and goes out on behalf of her husband and makes things right with David. And I think what is really cool about 1 Samuel is that she, you know, knows what to do in this situation. She gets all of this food, she gets it all prepared. And this food actually, uh, you know, stems the tide of David's wrath. And it is such a good example of like where we can be, you know, hangry at times and where like a good meal can just like turn away our grumpiness. And she used her wisdom that she had in the situation of knowing like my husband should have, you know, you know, um, helped this man, but he didn't. And she very quickly, you know, got ready and brought this food to her. And this is what it says. Uh, This is verse 18 from 1 Samuel 25. It says, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, and then five says, says, of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them up on donkeys, and she said, go ahead, I'll follow you, but she did not tell her husband, Nabal, so she brought it up to them, and she gave it to them, and she, you know, brought this food to him, and apologized, basically, for her husband, and it brought off the wrath of David, And I think that sometimes we just don't realize how powerful just food can be. Obviously, this is a little bit different of a situation, but this example in the Bible always sticks out to me of how food can be a tool for so many different things of ministry. And then the other thing that I wanted to share with you guys, and this comes directly from um, Harvard. They did an interview with Jill Anderson, and she's a family therapist, and In this interview, it really just struck me just the benefits of what a family meal has and also just on home cooking. So that's part of the interview too. And she she was sharing about how there's so many studies that show that family dinners are not only great for the body and the physical health, but it's also for, it's connected to your brain and also it's connected to better academic performance and this spirit or the mental health in the terms of nutrition, cardiovascular health is also better in teens. There's lower fat and sugar and salt in home-cooked meals, even if you don't try that hard. So it doesn't have to be like fancy big meals, but even in just making the switch to cooking home-cooked meals, you have more fruit, you have more fiber and vegetables and protein in home-cooked meals and lower calories. And this is her quote, kids who grow up having family dinners when they're on their own tend to eat more healthily and have lower rates of obesity and that the mental health benefits are just incredible. Regular family dinners are associated with lower rates of depression and anxiety and substance abuse and eating disorders and tobacco use and early teenage pregnancy and higher rates of resilience and higher self-esteem. So, home-cooked meals at home where you're sitting down with your family, you know, cooking and also eating that meal together has such a huge benefit. And so, I want to direct you guys to their resource as well. Their resource is called The Family Dinner Project, 
and they help people with cooking family cooked meals. They have tons of free online resources of recipes that take less than 30 minutes and also games to play at the table that promote conversation and conversation starters because that is just how important this is. And so many families do not cook meals at home and do not take the moment to sit down at the table and have a meal together. You know, you're not always going to be able to cook a meal. So yes, sometimes it's going to be something that's frozen. But even if you can sit down as a family, to me, these really go hand in hand. Because for me, you know, we have made it a priority to sit down with our kids for every meal of the day. And not only does it help my kids, but it also helps me to eat as well. I think so much of motherhood is, you know, we sometimes forget to eat. But when you're sitting down and eating a meal together, that puts so much more purpose and structure to your day with your kids. Now, the thing I love most about my journey is that my journey when it came to homemaking and cooking was I literally was at the lowest level of like any skills that you can enter into like the homemaking community with. And the small mustard seed of obedience that I stepped forward in, the small little inch I took with my foot to step towards God in this area God multiplied in such an abundance. Now, am I the best cook? No, I definitely am not like some people who have the artistic ability to make their food artistically beautiful. But does my food taste good? Most of the time, yes. And is it always perfect? No. But I feel like you can almost taste a difference in food that is prepared with a joyful, willing heart versus a angry annoyed heart and you know that doesn't mean that i don't always make chicken nuggets or that i don't make a frozen pizza like tonight i am definitely making frozen pizza for dinner but my attitude has been shifted a lot about food and cooking and i just want to encourage you that if you're like me and you're like i'm a horrible cook i burn everything I just want to encourage you, there have been many a times that I have burnt food and there's been many a times that I have ruined a recipe by not seasoning it or it hasn't turned out how I wanted because I don't know how to cook the meat. I want to encourage you that you can learn how to be a better cook and a lot of the times these things are simply practice, practice, practice. You know, they say it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. And so often we just get really discouraged when it comes to cooking, so we just quit. And you know, for me, I had to learn how to chop vegetables. And for me, the person that I sought out to teach me how to cook was my mother-in-law. I have an amazing mother-in-law. She's always cooked for her family. And so for me, you know, we would go over to her house and we'd be doing dinner or something and I would ask you know can I help and she'd be like yeah can you chop this watermelon or can you do this and what it came down to was being like hey how would you cut this can you show me how to do this 
or it would be looking up YouTube videos, watching YouTube videos from bakers of, you know, I used to watch, is her name Rosiana Pansino? Sorry, I'm butching her name, of just like different things about cooking shows, of temperatures, or the the Great British Bake Off. I would watch those and I would glean information about, you know, how do you, you know, meringue eggs? You know, why is temperature important? And I would take the time to teach myself those things and invest in my knowledge of that subject. And, you know, okay, so how do I cook meat? You know, there's so many resources of, you know, Gordon Ramsay talking about, you know, you know, feel, you know, your chin and or like, you know, feel your forehead and that can tell you different uh, denseness levels of your meat. And so I think a lot of the times either our pride holders holds us back or we feel like we could never learn because we were never taught. And so for me, it was asking my mother-in-law and then watching a lot of baking shows as well, you know, taking notes. And then also practice, 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 practice. That meant getting into the into the kitchen, learning the purpose of, you know, what is the purpose of baking soda? What is the purpose of baking powder? And there's so many resources even on Instagram of different cooks that I follow or different sourdough bakers. You know, I am not nearly an expert cook like some people are. I could definitely spend a lot more of my time, you know, cooking more than I do. It kind of goes in waves for me. But you know what? There's always someone that's further along. And let me tell you, people that cook love to talk about different ways of cooking. And, you know, last year I released a version of my sourdough starter. And with that, I had QR links. And with that, I had all my knowledge that I'd learned from sourdough. But that knowledge was passed on to me from what I had learned, but what I had also learned from other bakers. So if you are feeling like you just can't be a good cook, you know what? I am not the best cook either, but you can definitely make improvements and that's still worth your time. The second suggestion I would have for you is to join a cooking class. I have taken cooking classes in the past of, you know, healthy meals. Or, you know, I've bought in meal plans on Etsy that have like 30 different meals that maybe I wouldn't normally try, but it gives you the baking list and it gives you the grocery list. So that way it helps make, you know, making your grocery list a little easier because I know sometimes making the grocery list to get cooking can, can, can seem really daunting and you're like, how do I build that list? There's so many resources that can teach you about cooking and chopping veggies and just don't be afraid to step out and learn something new just because maybe it hasn't been something you've done in the past. So there's definitely hope for cooking and for me it really came down to having God change my perspective on food being more than just something we eat to fill our bodies. And I know a lot of people might be listening to this and maybe your mom showed you a deeper side of cooking so maybe this isn't the podcast for you but I did this podcast for the women that maybe grew up in a similar situation as me of where their mom didn't really put a lot of emphasis on cooking I wanted to share this for those women 
that want to do better and maybe don't understand that there can be so much more to cooking. Really, if you cannot see how amazing the benefits are of just cooking a simple meal at home and eating it together, there's so many benefits. And that's just one article. There are so many articles that just show how good it is for children to sit at a table and eat a meal together. And for me, I definitely can see where not eating a home-cooked meal together how that affected me as a teen. I had a horrible relationship with food. I didn't know anything about grocery planning or budgeting, but God was so gracious in taking my little bit of obedience and blessing it tenfold. And so not only do I just want to encourage you to see cooking as a mission field and part of glorifying God, but also just see it practically as the good things that you're you're providing your kids with you're providing them with stability and you're helping them not only you know have that stability but so often the world says that family is just a group of individuals that are all doing individualistic things but eating a meal together at the table builds a strong family bond and builds a sense of unity it helps helps your kids feel you know this unity as a family unit like they belong they're part of something bigger than just everyone doing things for themselves and i want to tell you guys a couple things that we do at our table to kind of help with eating and just different things that we use eating at the table as an opportunity for so the first rule we have with our dining room table and this is what it is is that we do not allow dining and dashing so basically we don't let our kids get up and down up and down up and down and snack and eat and i know that this is a really really hard one for the kids but this is one where i have made it a point to sit down with my kids sit down with your kids while you eat the meal we're not always able to do this perfectly but it's imperative that if you can put your tasks in the kitchen to the side for a little while and don't let your kids dine and dash you know it really help you really you know we need to set this good example of what eating a meal looks like and so many so many parents are like the only way my kids will eat is if we dine and dash and now i'm not saying this is going to look perfect all the time but sometimes this means letting your child sit on your lap now i know some families that are strict sticklers for making their kids sit in their own seats and there's definitely a time and place for that like my five-year-old has to sit in his own chair but my three-year-old kind of struggles with you know sitting still and so there is a lot of nights that he will end up on my lap and you know what doesn't mean that we're giving up completely but it just means that we're meeting him a little bit where he is at he's still sitting at the table with us but we're saying you know what nope we're not going to get down right now we're eating the meal as a family the third thing that we do not do when we're cooking or eating at the table is we do not orientate our meals towards being kid-friendly meals and what that means is that i don't cook a separate meal for my kids that is a kid meal uh differently than what me and my husband are having we cook the same thing for our kids that we are having for ourselves and obviously 
Uh, we don't really deal with picky eating and I do think I attribute some of that to having a strong uh, you know setting for where we always have just ate the same thing at the table at the same time but obviously there are kids that have texture issues you have kids that have swallowing issues so obviously this is a tricky area for different families as well so we don't cook different meals we, we've never done the kitty meal thing and it's always just been you know I cook meals that I know kids can eat um, if I need to adjust the spiciness level I will um, but my kids also will eat spicy foods as well because it's something that we've always done. Everyone's meals are the same. Everyone gets the same thing. And, you know, <clears throat> they're allowed to try it. And if they don't like it, they don't have to finish it. But this leads me on to my fourth thing. We do not let our kids grumble and complain about the food that they're eating. And the reason being is, is we, we allow for our kids to be honest but we remind our kids, you're allowed to be honest, but it's what you do with that honesty and how you handle it that matters. You can be honest and say, you know, yuck, I do not care for this, you know, or, you know, you know what, I don't really prefer that. And then it's like, okay, thank you for trying it. You don't need to finish it. But we don't then let our kids grumble and complain more about the food. And the reason being is, and I've talked about this in past podcasts and I talk about this in our podcast of why I say we don't let our kids complain. Part of it leads back to the Israelites. You know, grumbling and complaining never leads to more contentment. It always leads to more distrust and more unbelief that God has not provided for us perfectly. And so we tell our kids, you know, your taste buds are not always going to care for the same things that we are. You don't have to, we don't force our kids to ever fully eat something even if they hate it if they don't like something yeah you're not gonna like it you're not gonna like everything that we eat but you are not allowed to grumble and complain and the same goes for if we are guests at someone's house house if grandma and grandpa invited us to dinner and you try something and you don't care for it you don't need to finish it but you may not make comments about how it's gross disgusting how you don't like it because to us, that is rude, that's unacceptable, and you need to still be thankful for the person that took the time and energy to make that meal, and your heart posture around your preferences still matters. You cannot like it, you can even not finish it, you know, because like even as adults, we have things we don't like, we don't finish, but you may not grumble and complain. So that's a fourth thing that we don't let our kids do at the table. The fifth thing that we do at our table is is in the morning time at breakfast time we do family devotions at the table so in the morning we start our day off with devotions this is a great time to do it our kids love to listen to me read the bible while they eat their cereal they know that it's not something that happens at lunch or dinner but we do our opening devotions at the breakfast table and part of this requires planning because if you have kids that have to go to school this means you need to be purposeful so for us we read one chapter we talk about it and it's a great day it's a great way to start your day centered on the word of christ and it is a great tool of you know getting the word of god in and have having a good discussion with your kids at the table the last thing that we don't do at the table is we do not allow our kids to bring toys to the table during meals 
And I know a lot of parents don't really think of this one, but for us, we're like, we're here to eat and we're here to talk and we're here to be together. So this is not a time to bring toys to the table. So those are some of the things we do do. And those are some of the things we don't do. You know, our kids are allowed to have preferences, but they're not allowed to complain about it. We read the Bible together, but we don't make kitty themed meals we always just make meals that everyone can eat and you know at the end of the day we go over our highs and our lows what was today fun what was fun about today what was hard about the day you know what did you really enjoy about your day so being at the table really encourages discussion as a family and it's a great place my son is wanting in my bedroom um give me just a moment guys but we encourage discussion at our dinner table so that we can be a family and connected So guys, that is our podcast and that is our second part of our series about homemaking of why cooking is such a wonderful opportunity to not only serve your family, but use it as a mission field to reach the people in your life with just a touch of God's love for them through spending time in purposefulness and perfecting your craft as a cook and as a mom or as a friend and using the skills of your hands that God has given you for his glory you know part of the huge reason that I wanted to be a good cook was I was telling my husband that when our kids move out I want my kids to know that they can always come home for a free meal you know especially as a college student when you're broken you're poor when you have a mom that cooks really well that texts you that says hey want to come over for dinner you're like uh yes I do because that's a free meal I don't want to cook for And you know, I want to be that mom that makes those delicious cookies because I want my kids to say, hey friends, come over. My mom's going to make us amazing snacks. I want to be the mom that uses my hands for the glory of God that, you know, long after my kids leave, have these fond memories of their mom loving them through yummy, delicious food and just know that they are loved through, you know, this ability God has given to me with my hands that literally started without even knowing how to chop an onion, I've said it so many times, to now feeling confident with recipes, but all it took was a little bit of trust in God and obedience and being willing to learn new things through trial and error and practice, practice, practice. So guys, that's today's episode. I'm going to pray for you guys before we go. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for our wonderful children and that we get to provide food for them through our hands. Help us to see the purpose and the ministry through cooking and help us to be moms that have a heart that loves the ministry that cooking gives us. For any mom that just feels like she's a bad cook, please encourage her that you can always learn new things. And in Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, that's today's episode. But a little bonus tidbit, if you want to find some really cool recipes that are new to you, I want to encourage you, go over to my Instagram and follow me at RefinedXPurpose. And wow, guys, it is loud here. And I am sharing brand new recipes this week on my Instagram that are new recipes you can try and different meals that you can try for your family. So if you're needing breakfast ideas, lunch ideas, or even dinner ideas. I'm going to be sharing those all over on my Instagram. 
And yeah, that's my little bonus tidbit for you guys is that if you need recipes, head over to my Instagram. I have a whole highlight and I'm going to be sharing more and more recipes every week with you guys. So I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining me with the chaos that is sometimes having boys in my house. And I'll see you guys next week.